Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Loza. I'm back. It feels really, really good to be back. I'm very excited to be back. I'm particularly thrilled to be back. Look at me using all of the different adjectives, by the way, because I know I'm with a wordsmith. It's Scott Pianowski, who is joining me to help preview all four of the games coming up in the NFL's divisional round of the playoffs. Scott, I never am as lucky as Andy Barron's or some of our other (laughs) colleagues to work with you as regularly. So it took the entire regular season before you and I could sit down and pod together. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, maybe a step down oh, for you, you know, moving down from Austin Eckler to me, but I didn't make the Pro Bowl this year. But excited. Look, I felt like last week in, in the NFL was what we had to bear to get to the divisional round. The, the matchups are great. There's no more Steelers. There's no more Eagles. You can even, you want to take a cheap shot at the Patriots. There's no more Patriots. These are teams that can win the whole thing. Buffalo and Kansas City feels like a Super Bowl or an AFC championship game. They're meeting in the divisional round. There's so much star power in the NFC. The Bengals are this shiny new toy. They're fun. The Titans are getting healthy at the right time. I I think we're going to see some awesome football, which we didn't always see last week. A lot of blowouts. The San Francisco-Dallas game, I thought both teams deserved to be eliminated the way they played in the second half of that game. But I think we're going to see. This is The divisional round is always a a great round of football because we have games on both days. We have four games in, in total. Lots of DFS opportunity, lots of prop opportunity, you know, football for the whole weekend, and everybody who's still standing could win the whole thing. You know, nobody again, nobody thought the Steelers were going to win the whole thing, or the Eagles, or or some of those teams. But everybody who's still here can win. So, uh, to me, this is one of the best weekends of the year. Let's get into it. I am super excited. I know last week I definitely overthought some of my picks. Um, really thought though that the Steelers could cover. Convinced myself of that because I think too after. 18 weeks of regular season action, we start to get a little bit in our heads like, oh, it just can't be this simple. But in fact, last week we learned that it was that simple. But you are right. It does get more complicated. The talent level rises quite a bit in the divisional round. Let's start with a little bit of news, though, before we get into the Bengals at Titans game. Baker Mayfield had surgery on his shoulder earlier this week. Torn labrum repair, recovery is expected to be about four to six months. He should be ready for training camp, assuming there's no, as we know this term very well now, setback. 
It's interesting. I, I Over the beginning of the year, I went on a quick little getaway and managed to avoid COVID, thankfully, throughout it. And my husband was like, oh, he was on a text thread with all of his buddies. And he was like, they were all like, ask your wife, ask your wife, isn't Baker Mayfield's deal up this year? And I was like, oh, that's just media hoopla. Like, he's not a free agent, but everybody has been talking about whether or not he'd be back with the Browns that I think the assumption widely, at least without, you know, if you're not like following all of these things to the T like we are because of our jobs is that Baker Mayfield like had the option to leave because his contract was up. And in fact, he is now entering the last year of his deal. The hoopla was about whether he'd receive a a premature extension or extension before the deadline. What is your feeling on the Brown situation? Understanding that there is much more going into it than just Baker Mayfield's health. Yeah, I mean, the question is, uh, you know, are they dating? Are the Browns and Mayfield dating? Or is this going to be, you know, they can get married, they're going to put a ring on it. Everything went round for the Browns passing game this year. Mayfield and OBJ could never get in the same page. Mayfield played hurt for a considerable amount of the season. And they were just a frustrating team. I, I thought they were going to win that division. I may have even picked them to go to the Super Bowl. I know I picked them to go deep into the playoffs. I washed my hands of that very early. And, I, and actually in the second half of the year, I was just screaming, Look, I'd rather see a, a healthy Case Keenum play than an injured Baker Mayfield. So let's hope the surgery. And it sounds like you know, with with football surgeries, you only hear when the surgery is successful. I've never heard them say afterwards, "Oh wow, I don't, I don't think we got that shoulder repair it. right." Yeah, we botched that <laughs> yeah. one. Let's bring him back in. But it, it's it's a fork in the road season. It's a show me season for Baker Mayfield, and this is going to determine whether or not they get attached long term. But they need to figure out who their receivers are. And, you know, I mean, I, I'm known, everybody knows I'm a Patriots fan. I grew up in New England. And watching them try to match wits with Kendrick Bourne and you know, Jacoby Myers, a bunch of you know, solid players, but there's no lead singer in that passing game. That's how I feel with the Browns. Since they couldn't get it work out with Beckham, and, you know, he ends up leaving town, and he's had a nice renaissance with the Rams. We'll, we'll get to them later. But who is the guy who's the lead singer in this passing offense i don't see it you know and for mayfield to play at you draft a quarterback number one you think you're getting a 10-year guy you think you're getting somebody who will challenge for pro bowl berths that type of thing who's he gonna throw to they have three very ordinary tight ends you know donovan Peoples jones is okay higgins is okay they have good running backs we know that jarvis landry has some pretty good hands yeah but he's at a point now where i just don't think there's any upside with landry anymore and again again can he be the best receiver in an offense I'd like to see them take a receiver in the first couple of rounds. I think the defense could be the strength of this team. We know their offensive line is good. And again, they have three good running backs. I would, I mean, heck, Dearness Johnson became one of my favorite players in the football season, and he's number three on that depth chart. It shows how easy it, it, it can be to find running back talent. I think they need to add a receiver. It's a make-or-break season for for Baker. We'll, we'll find out. I, I don't know. I also wonder if his progressive is going to keep him, right? I mean, it was getting to the point where you were more likely to see – Right. I remember that Packer, that Packer Browns game, right? Where it was like Rogers threw a touchdown pass, Baker threw a pick, then Baker did a commercial. Then Rogers threw another touchdown pass, then Baker threw another pick. <laughs> pick. Then Baker had another commercial. Rinse, repeat, you know? Um, but I don't want to kick the guy when he's down. I mean, he tried to play when he was hurt. You just like we heard the story with another team that's one of the departed. We heard the story that Zeke Elliott's been playing hurt all season. To which I scream out, well, you know, the adult in the room is supposed to be the Cowboys. Then play somebody else. And now maybe Tony Pollard wasn't 100%. Maybe that wasn't an option. But a lot of times I think these teams, rather than, oh, we have to play our star. We have to play the guy we're paying the most money to. 
maybe you should play the guy who's 100%. In the case of Elliott versus Pollard, I just think Pollard's efficiency metrics were so much better all season that I would have won. I think it was a gift. Every time they treated Zeke like a feature back, I think they were just doing a favor to their opposition. Well, I mean, I think that's a little bit more complicated of, I, I know that that's like the prevailing thought and it makes sense to a certain degree, but we knew that Zeke suffered that knee bruise in what week four, week five, and they were managing his snaps. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times we talked about or wrote about, you know, is Zeke going to go over 50 or 60 rushing yards this particular week? And it was frankly just the goal line equity that was keeping him in the top 15 at the position. Pollard's foot issue obviously didn't help. We did see some Clory Clement, but I also feel like you got to win now. There are incentives laid into these different player contracts. There's also coaches playing for their jobs, even making it to the playoffs. Like, I don't know, like, if they hadn't have played Zeke, and again, I do believe they were managing his touches, if they didn't play Zeke and Corey Clement fumbles and the opposing team recovers it and scores, then it's, well, why did you pay this guy this much money if you're not going to play him? Like, sure. I think it's a different, it's a little bit different for me between Zeke and Baker slash Case Keenum because... I don't feel like Case Keenum, given the receivers around him and the rapport that he did or did not have with them, was that much of a discrepancy between a hurt Baker Mayfield missing his should have been number one that never, ever was even close to a number two. It's a fair point. It's certainly an apples and oranges thing. And I know I'm not the first person to suggest this, but until the Cowboys are willing to hire a coach who will fight back with Jerry Jones and will have a certain gravitas. It feels like Jones wants a coach who's going to be so far under him in the pecking order that he's, he's almost just totally teethless. And I would love to see a Brian Flores in Dallas. I'd love to see a Jim Harbaugh in Dallas. I don't know if Jerry Jones has the subjugation of ego to make that kind of hire, but this there is a go. sleeping giant because there's so much talent there. They obviously have the great facility. They have an un unbelievable uh, amount of revenue streams, but you know, Jerry Jones is the guy who's in, in the way of progress. Because I know that's why you tuned in here. You wanted to hear a postmortem <laughs> on the Cowboys. I'm offering it. Uh, Jerry Jones needs to say, you know what? I'm at the age now where maybe I shouldn't be running it. I'm, I'm still a successful businessman, but I'm not really a GM. Let's handle the football operations. Let's hand them off to somebody else. I'd love to see a strong personality coach, i.e. not Mike McCarthy, not Jason Garrett, take over this team because I think it's a sleeping giant. But it's really – they haven't won a playoff game since – or made it to the NFC Championship games since the mid-90s. It's unbelievable waste of resources going on in Dallas right now. Well, let's move ahead to, before people start thinking I'm a, a Cowboys apologist, by the way. I'm married to a Washington football team supporter, so that couldn't exist in my house. Regardless, let's move on to Cincy at Tennessee. Uh, Over-under on this game it is at 47.5, and, and the Titans are favored by 3.5. Russell Wilson, interestingly, you know, he was born in Cincinnati, so he did pick the Bengals to upset the Titans, uh, and he did that on last Monday night's Manning cast. Um, what are your thoughts here? Do you think that the Bengals, who you did call the shiny new toy, it's a great way to, to you know, intro them, I suppose. Do you think that they can make good on this first advancement through the divisional round for the past 31 years? I want to pick the Bengals. The heart wants to pick the Bengals. I, I just love everything that Joe Burrow stands for. I mean, Joe Burrow yeah. won me over, not not just with that great year at LSU, but then he gave this unbelievable Heisman Trophy speech that speech, was great. Yes. Yeah, it was grateful and it was humble and, and it credited so many different people. And it said, look, 
LSU, you took a chance on me. You had no idea if I could play or not, but you still gave me an opportunity. And um, I just think he's such an easy guy to root for. What I'm concerned about from a Cincinnati standpoint is Tennessee gets the week off, so they get the rest. They finally, you know, Henry, I don't know what Henry's ready to do, but he's going to play. Julio Jones seems like he's ready to be a factor. A.J. Brown, who was dinged up just about all season, he gets a week to rest up. And I'm not in love with this Bengals secondary. The metrics don't like them. They look better on some of the um, older stats. Just, just just straight YPA and YPA Delta, they look pretty good. But football outsiders doesn't trust their pass defense. I'm just worried that they're getting Tennessee at the wrong time, rested at home. Rick Rabel's a terrific coach. And their defense, the Tennessee defense has gotten better as the season went along. I We thought maybe the first quarter of the year, this would be what would hold them back. Maybe they wouldn't even win that division and their defense is very quietly kind of gelled during the second half of the year. So I want to believe in the Bengals, and I'll probably have exposure to some of their passing game. By the way, great week to play T. Higgins. I know he did nothing last week, and I know Chase is probably the alpha here, but it's like a 1-1A, in one and then everybody else is, is a little bit of a further step behind. It wasn't that surprising that Uzuma got a touchdown against the Raiders because they love to escort the tight end into the, into the goal, into the end zone. And Tyler Boyd finally made an appearance. He's had kind of a quiet season. I'm going to be playing Higgins. I think he's a little bit screened here. But I think Tennessee at home rested and finally getting their personnel back. I have to lean the Titans in this game. I don't disagree with you. Derrick Henry being a giant, maybe the engine by which this entire machine runs the most fluidly and effectively back. Um, it's not official. It'll be official apparently on Friday. So, you know, definitely keep an eye as you're probably listening to this on Friday, but we're recording Thursday in the late afternoon. Derrick Henry, assuming he is back, is $38. Not surprising that he's the most expensive player at the position in our DFS game. Um, he did smile when asked about his return, hinting it would be a go for him. Um, now, you can't pay 38 bucks for him, right? I mean, first can't. game back, no, no, this no. is ridiculous, right? No, no. But I do think that that's going to be the chalk play. I, I am, you know, when I thought about previewing this game, I immediately thought of week nine at the Rams. That was the first game without Derrick Henry. And also when you think of these, you, you mentioned the secondary in Tennessee, right? Like that's the weakness. That's the vulnerability. We know that Joe Burrow and this trio, frankly, now, maybe even quartet, if you count Uzuma, of pass catchers is absolute fire. And the Bengals want to get up early. If the Bengals score as quickly as the Bills did against the Patriots, then the Titans have a little bit of work cut out for them. But I, so you know what the Bengals are going to want to do. And I have to imagine that Vrabel and company also know what the Bengals want to do. And that is what reminded me of the game at the Rams back in week nine, first game without Derrick Henry. And that was the game in which the pass rush completely showed up for Tennessee. Matt Stafford was sacked a season high five times in that game. Tennessee managed the win in that game. And again, no one expected that. That was, oh no, what are they going to do without Derrick Henry? Are they going to put the ball in Tannehill's hands? And uh, there was this confusing backfield, this like three-headed hydra of names we hadn't heard in forever. And so I feel like Tennessee is going to try to replicate that plan but also have Derrick Henry at least 70%. And it's really hard not to imagine that they win then. Yeah, I believe Adrian Peterson was in a Titans uniform that that day, which yes. tells you how long ago it was. And I can't remember if, if Stafford threw one or two pick sixes in that game, but he, he threw at least one. He, he almost gave that game away. Mike Vrabel is a terrific football coach. And I know he's more of a CEO coach. He's not necessarily getting his, his hands dirty with the X's and O's because he oversees everything in the program. But... There, there's a guy, and, and look, we we 
we could talk about the coaches that are left, right? I mean, um, it was it was a joke that every, everybody who knew Sean McVay for five minutes was getting an interview oh, and getting yeah. a job. But you know what? His tr- coaching tree looks really good. I mean, a lot of a lot of his coaching tree is still alive in the playoffs. And you know, Andy Reid's been successful for such a long time, and it's just it's just a lot of a lot of really smart people are, are still are still left, which makes sense. You know, Sean McDermott has, has gotten the monkey off his back. You know, finally, not only did they beat New England, but they embarrassed New England. You know, a team that had tormented them for two decades. They said, okay, let's throw touchdown passes to, to offensive linemen just to rub it in your face a little bit. I don't blame <laughs> them. Go, good for Buffalo, man. I mean, what, what a story that is. But um, can the Tennessee defense do what they did to Stafford that day? Can they harry Joe Burrow? And that's the problem with the Bengals a lot. Burrow will hold the ball. The offensive line isn't great, right? That was a big inflection point in the draft. Do you take Sewell, the offensive lineman? Do you take Jamar Chase? A lot of people, a lot of silly people like me thought, you know what? I think your receivers are pretty good. Do you really need Jamar? No, I, I actually don't want Jamar Chase to not be on the Bengals now. It's too <laughs> much fun watching this Burrow Chase stuff. They knew what they were doing. And you can massage a poor offensive line and pass blocking easier than run blocking. That said, Burrow gets hit a lot. Burrow gets sacked a lot. Burrow will hold the ball a lot. It's incumbent on Tennessee, even if they don't get home to Burrow, to hit him, to be physical with him, just just to let to let him know that they're, they're going they're going to be in his grill for three hours. And whether that's by blitzes, whether it's by stunts with the defensive line. I mean, ideally, if you can get home with four rushing, that's great. Every team would like to do that. I don't know how exotic they'll get with their with their with their different looks and stuff like that. But that's going to be if the Bengals win this game, it's probably because Burrow only got hit a moderate amount of times, only got sacked maybe once or twice. If Tennessee can crash the pocket, if they can make Burrow's life as harried as Matthew Stafford's life was, the game you mentioned earlier this season, that's a, definitely a very clear victory path for Tennessee. All right, let's talk now about the 49ers at the Packers. I think internally, this game probably has the most among our staff um, emotional pull slash draw to it. Uh, Matt Harmon is now and again a 49ers fan um we know Dalton Del Don is never not a 49ers fan I root for Jimmy G not because he's handsome though he is certainly handsome but also because he went to my rival high school and I I feel like we know people in common so there's a hometown feel and I would love to see the kid from the suburbs of Chicago off Aaron Rodgers and the Packers at Lambeau but it's probably a pipe dream the Packers are favored by five and a half the over-under the lowest of the entire weekend, by the way, is set at 46 and a half. I would keep an eye on that line movement, though, because I think a lot of that has to do with um, the injuries that San Francisco has suffered. Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, who are trending towards playing. So it'd be interesting to see if that moves once we get a clearer picture of San Francisco's health. Uh, the temperature is in the teens. It's Wisconsin. It's January. It's cold, but still the teens ain't bad. What is your immediate thought looking at this matchup? Yeah, I think it's really juicy because we know the Niners have that Kyle Shanahan running game, power running scheme, and what they've done with Debo Samuel, who's become one of the most fun players, whether it's reality or fantasy football. He's all over the formation. And he's he's getting like five, eight, ten carries a game now. It's not like once once a half or, or you know once or twice a game. I mean, he's basically doing what Corderell Patterson was doing in the first half of the year, except that Debo's a lot younger and probably a lot more talented. And when you have a power running game and an exotic running game like the Niners do, it will travel. It traveled to Dallas. They probably should have won that game easily. It felt like they were dominating that game for close to three quarters, and then the fourth quarter just you know, went to banana land. But 
So I give them a chance to win anywhere. And, and Garoppolo, look, I mean, he went to college in Illinois. He's played in cold weather before. That's not going to be a problem either. I'd like to see George Kittle get more involved. He's been very, and we know he's a great blocker, and you know they will use him as an extension of the offensive line, but he has not been a very active receiver of late. I think he's a key player. On the other side, and we'll see if the Packers, you know, you want the week off. We'll see how crisp they are. Sometimes teams come out a little bit rusty, a little bit stale. Their passing game, Rodgers to Adams, I mean, you know, they can complete each other's sentences. They're peanut butter and jelly. They are, it's impossible to cover Devontae Adams with that back shoulder. And just, you know, he and Rodgers will make adjustments in the middle of a route because they've just run so many reps together. So how are you going to stop those guys? You really can't. Alan Lazard playing really well right now. He's on a heck of a run the last month or so. It sounds like MVS is going to come back. It sounds like Randall Cobb is available. They get back Diari back on the offensive line. It may be the wrong time to be drawing the Packers. Now, we know the Niners are really good against the run, but I mean, so what? I, I think Rodgers is going to have all day to throw. It comes down to this. Can Jimmy Garoppolo avoid making those two or three throws he seems to make every game that make you just put your hands in your face and go, Jimmy, what are you doing? Oh, well, with that's Mr. the thing. I, 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 and I think Kittle needs to be involved. I, I don't think they can get away from this game where George Kittle has three or four targets. I think George Kittle needs to have like 60 or 70 yards in this game. But the Niners can win again because I think that Shanahan offense. Another, another thing, another knock on the Niners. Can Kyle Shanahan finish a football game? Okay, this is the guy who lost a 28-3 Super Bowl game. He tried to lose last week's game. He's had trouble closing games out. He had trouble closing out the Super Bowl game against the Chiefs where they were ahead in the fourth quarter. If the Niners do have a fourth quarter lead, can Kyle Shanahan find the exit? Because that's been a problem too. I have to lean Packers, but because I think San Francisco's strengths will travel in this game, and I do think they were a lot more, the final score last week was not reflective of how well they played. I certainly give the Niners a puncher's chance. And from a point spread perspective, I'm going to take San Francisco. I think five and a half or so is the line right now on BetMGM. I'm going to lean the Niners with the points. But I just have a feeling it's going to be a game like, oh, wow, San Francisco can win this game. And then Jimmy Garoppolo will throw that one bad pick. It's like, what are you doing, Jimmy? You know, did you see Brandon Ayuk was wide open on the other side of the field or something like that? Matt Harmon and Andy Behrens uh, mentioned that exact point on Tuesday's wrap-up pod after discussing the bout against Dallas. Um, so I, I think you're right. I think let's let's talk a, a little bit more specifically because we know that in 2019, you mentioned Debo being used as regularly as a rusher. Side note, how much did you love seeing Jamar Chase getting used in a little sprinkle of that? I was just like, oh my gosh, I don't think I'm more excited about another player in 2022 than Jamar Chase. I know we never talked about Bengals, but you mentioned Debo being used out of the backfield. I saw that chase moving in that direction let's bring it back though to san francisco in 2019 obviously the nfc championship matchup with garoppolo um the 49ers were able to win that game it was at home though and it was 37 to 20 at levi the packers are 8 and 0 at home this season so that's just another statistical advantage we all know yeah every year there's talks about home road splits but I think that stat in particular is pretty telling. I do want to talk about the different injuries, though, because, again, you know, you mentioned David Bakhtiari. He's got this knee problem. He suffered, well, I think, week 17 of the 2020 season. Probably one of the best left tackles in the league, but also advanced in age. He's been in and out of practice all week. He did not practice on Thursday despite his a 27 snap appearance in week 18, but he's had some time to rest in and out of practice this week. Uh, we also have MVS, who is doubtful, in fact, 
because of the back injury to play from a fantasy perspective, from a DFS perspective, I think that makes Alan Lazard, who's only $16 in our game, an incredible flex play or wide receiver three by. He's drawn six targets in week 17 and 18, gone over 70 yards in both of those games and scored three touchdowns total between those two contests. So just a little quantifying here, Randall Cobb, uh, hasn't played since week 13. He's been dealing with that groin injury, but he is expected to play. So probably one less MBS. That gives me more hope for Alan Lazard, who you mentioned was been in, on a tear. And then from the San Francisco side of things, Bosa, you know, I think he suffered the concussion in the first half of the game against Dallas. He's having a career season, by the way, 15 and a half sacks, fourth most in the NFL. It looks like he's going to be on track to play. I mean, I, I don't know how these protocols work. I'm shrugging my shoulders, but he was limited in practice on Wednesday. He was out there. That leads me to believe that he's probably on track to suit up. Fred Warner um, practiced fully on Wednesday, and there was no status on his practice ahead of this particular recording, but probably he's going to play. So does any of that – well, you already said you were going to take San Francisco on the po- and, the, and the points, but do you think there is a world in which – at full strength with George Kittle, $23 in DFS, by the way. I love that. I think I used him in my uh, expert lineup. Do you think there's any way that San Francisco could actually win? Like not just, not just cover. You know, I, I know this sounds like I'm being a little bit two-faced because I did say the Niners plus the points, but Packers have an edge, obviously a quarterback. I mean, nobody, nobody would dispute that. And I'm so glad that you talked about Lazar. I, I didn't realize that MVS's um, prognosis was as dire as it is. But that just means that Alan Lazard at $16 is, I think, a, like a free space in Yahoo DFS. And I'm going to look at his touchdown odds when they come out. And I'm going to look at his yardage prop because, again, he's been – we know Aaron Rodgers. He's a very small circle of trust guy. It's hard to get you know, your number into his cell phone, right? I mean, there's been teammates who have gone entire you know careers in Green Bay and, and not gotten the cell phone number, for, according to some people. I, I guess Rodgers may dispute that. He, maybe he'll go on a podcast and claim this is all false. I don't know. But this is what I do know. Lazard's playing great. You can't cover Adams. And I don't trust the depth of the San Francisco secondary. So when push comes to shove, better quarterback, Green Bay. Home team, Green Bay. Rested, Green Bay. Do they finally have a second reliable pitch in this passing game? That's always been the big knock on them. Yeah, Adams is great. But who's the second guy? Well, lately it's been Alan Lazard. Plus, they can throw the ball to their two backs. You know, Aaron Jones can catch it. And, and even though A.J. Dillon did not catch the ball at Boston College, he's been a very capable receiver at Green Bay. Yeah, so he's either learned how to do it or could do it all along, and the Eagles didn't want to do it in college. I don't know what it is, but they have two good running backs there who can both catch the ball as well. So at the end of the – I think this is a competitive game in the fourth quarter. But I think Rodgers will have that one scoring drive when he needs it, and I think Garoppolo is going to throw the ball to the wrong team when he doesn't need to do it. So to me, it's like a Green Bay 24-20 type of game. Are you surprised that the over-under is 46 and a half, the lowest? Probably a nod to the weather just being cold. Of those, as Buffalo showed us last week, I mean, that's supposed to be freezing cold. Oh, no, cold weather, Belichick. And all the Bills did is score like 17 straight touchdowns or whatever it was. And they, they just don't punt anymore. Do they even bring the punter on the, on the team playing? I don't know. But <laughs> that offense, and I can't wait to talk about that game. But um, the thing with cold weather, and, and make sure if you're going to place a total bet on this game, and you probably want to wait till Saturday to do this. Check the wind. Wind will ruin your life. The cold weather, no. Nah, as long as it's not ridiculous, you can deal with cold weather. Just make sure it's not too windy. Wind will ruin your life and your hair. But lucky for Tom Brady, 
He doesn't even have a gray. I don't know, by the way, how Tom Brady does not have a gray hair. I mean, I'm guessing he dyes it. When, like, Jimmy Garoppolo, who's 29 or 30, like, what is that, like, 15 years younger than Tom Brady has, like, it's it's not. I mean, I don't, I don't hate it. It's salt and pepper. But let's talk about the Rams and the Buccaneers. No, no, no. no. So, hey, hey, no, no. <laughs> Hang on a second. Ex- explain something to me. Why is like every other word with Jimmy Garoppolo how handsome he is? Tom Brady is is mat, matinee idol handsome. Well, why do we never talk about that? Um, do you say matinee idol? Idol. I, I kind of bumbled over it, but I mean he's he's like Christian Leitner handsome. He's like you know people's fifty most. Oh, beautiful. Christian Leitner was handsome very long time ago. I remember that he was cute. Um, I think Tom Brady is just like cheesy, and like Jimmy Garoppolo took a adult film star on a date so one has a little bit more um i I, you know i don't really want to listen to tom brady talk is brady just cool Uh, you're saying garoppolo's cooler and brady's kind of a dork yeah i mean like brady's kind of like basic like oh you married like a very cool very accomplished intelligent supermodel but you married a supermodel that's it right he's like all american married a supermodel um and jimmy g is like this I get he's like every he is every guy that my best friend Heather in high school dated. Like I just grew up in a very Italian neighborhood outside of Chicago. And to me, he's yeah, he's just cool. He's just like so I need, cool, I need a like, list of the people that Heather dated in high school. We need to <laughs> we need to discuss this maybe on the Yahoo fantasy account. So, Heather, I don't know what you're doing right now. I don't know if you're married now. I don't know if these stories aren't going to be told. But Liz has teased it. There's obviously another, you know, producer John. There's obviously another podcast opportunity here. Um, she went to her husband. Her now husband went to the same middle school and junior high that Jimmy G went to. That's how that's how tight it is. Was he as about as handsome as Jimmy G? Was that the big debate back in middle school? I mean, he's got a dad. But he's, yeah, he's still handsome. Mike Tomano. Mike Tomano's her husband's name. <laughs> I don't know if I should be saying this, but yeah, yeah, Mikey's Mikey's handsome. I don't. I don't think Jimmy G is as handsome as everybody thinks. Maybe he's cooler than he is handsome. Maybe that's. Maybe there's a cool. Maybe like he could pull off the leather jacket when Brady would kind of look wrong with a leather jacket. I mean, Aaron Andrews has interviewed Tom Brady plenty of times and never stumbled the way she did interviewing Jimmy G. So I will just leave it at that. You know, who could be in like the Top Gun reboot, right? I mean, Garoppolo could pull it off, right? He could wear the aviators and all that. He could have a yeah. cool, cool nickname. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think you're totally right. I also think Joe Burrow, by the way, would be a, a great goose if we're recasting. Who would be Iceman? Gronk. <laughs> no, Gronk. No, Gronk's a like Bosa, he's, a Bosa brother. Gronk's like Hollywood. You know, Gronk's like the guy. You know, flexing in the volleyball game and everything. And yeah. you know, Gronk. You can't. Gronk's a little bit too goofy to be Iceman. Yeah, I think that's true. I think it's true. We'll, we'll, we'll work on that. We'll work on that. Somebody, uh, somebody are... listening right now is a perfect answer for it. And please share it. Share it to, with me and Liz on, on social. Share it at Yahoo Fantasy because uh, we, we need more Top Gun in our lives. I don't know when they're going to send out that reboot because I know it's been in the can for like two years. But um, yes. we need I think it's coming more. out this summer regardless it, of whatever okay. variant or alphabet in the Greek – letter in the Greek alphabet we're on by then. Um, let's get to Rams at Buccaneers. Bucks are favored by – Perhaps to some, a surprisingly low three points. Over-under is 48 and a half. Tampa Bay, and I guess I'm imagining that the reason that the Bucs are only favored by three is because the Bucs are pretty, pretty banged up, right? Um, Andy and Matt railed on this point, and for good reason, on the pod earlier in the week. Um, Tristan Wirfs didn't need to get injured. He didn't need to hurt his ankle. He doesn't need to be in a walking boot if we didn't do this, you know, 
extra seeding um, that we're doing in the playoffs, this super wild card weekend. But alas, here we are. Uh, there's still optimism that he could play, but he did not practice on Thursday. Also, center Ryan Jensen, who's dealing with an ankle injury, returned to practice on Thursday. We do know that he played through that injury last week. So again, likely, likely Bruce Arians is going to get all the guys out there. The percent at which they are healthy, though, remains to be seen. Leonard Fournette, who's dealing with that hamstring injury and has for a while, not back at, quote, full speed yet, but at least he was practicing Ronald Jones has this ankle issue, can't cut on it, but also back to practice on Thursday. And Gio Bernard, as we know, is still dealing with the hip and knee issues that he's been dealing with for the bulk of the year, but practice on a limited basis Wednesday and Thursday. Assumption being they need all their guys out there and we'll see who is healthy by Sunday. Yeah, I mean, you think of games where Brady has struggled, the, the Super Bowl losses to the Giants, the year that the Jets beat the Patriots in, in, the, in the playoffs in 2010, one of the best Patriots teams that didn't go deep. You get under Brady's feet, you get that pass rush with four people. The Rams, we know they have dynamic people on the defensive line, Donald being the most notable of that. But if Tampa Bay is not hail on their offensive front, that's going to be a big problem because then they're going to be able to get in Brady's face or they're going to be able to get him off his spot. You know, Brady's not, you know, there's a lot of mobile quarterbacks in the playoffs or in the NFL these days. We know Tom Brady is not one of them. Pocket Tony awareness. Romo, Tony Romo does believe him to be the best at a QB sneak. We know that. Oh, he's an unbelievable sneaker for sure. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I mean, you need a yard. Tom Brady's your guy. And he still has excellent awareness and instincts in the pocket. Just moving to that quiet area, buying the extra half second to reset and throw. But if their offensive line isn't healthy and doesn't play well, the Rams are going to eat their lunch. That's a problem. And on the other side, Matt Stafford, again, you know, he, he just seems like he's got those two or three throws every week. It's like, what are you doing? But on the flip side, they're getting healthy at the right time. They finally, I, I thought Cam Akers, what he did in the first game back was maybe a little bit overplayed. But that said, he's back off this major injury. Now they have him back. They can mix him in with Michelle. And I love what they're doing with Odell Beckham, where they're engaging him. They're running gadget plays with him. They're getting him involved at the goal line. For some reason, I don't know, Cleveland just couldn't whisper the right things with OBJ. And he's a guy... He's an emotional player, and, and he wants to be involved. And you just have to – there's a certain personality meshing that you have to do with a player like that. And, and they've gotten Beckham to buy in. He knows that Cooper Cup is the staple of this offense. Everybody knows it. But they're keeping him feel like he's a, he's a valued member of the offense, and he's been extremely productive for them, especially in the last few weeks. They've also gotten – and I realize I, I lost a lot of money on this a few years ago when Tyler Higby had that monster December, and none of it carried over to the next year. But they've gotten him back to where he's like a 50-yard staple every week and a really nice third option in this passing game. Van Jefferson's kind of taken a step back. So I like where their offense is at right now. Again, it's just a matter of what does Stafford do? Does Stafford throw the two picks? And I, I think, of course, the biggest thing in this game, and I said it earlier, is, is how well can Tampa Bay protect Brady? Do they have the offensive line that they want? Can, can Wirfs play a game? Can he play a full game? Can they keep Donald from wrecking mayhem? We know Aaron Donald can dominate a football game. Uh, that's where this game is ultimately going to be decided. The Rams front against a very banged up Tampa Bay offensive line. I think that's why the line is as low as it is. And offense altogether. You know, um, the receiver, we all we all know that Chris Godwin is out for the year. That leaves Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, and a cast of characters. Brashad Perryman, though, didn't practice on Wednesday or Thursday. He's dealing with a hip issue. So, you know, and he's he's been a little bit of a, a surprise in moments for Brady. Um 
so they're not the, the the Rams are not they are getting healthy on balance at the right time though Andrew Whitworth is banged up he didn't practice on Wednesday ankle knee issue um my best guess is obviously that he's going to play but he won't be 100% interestingly though I feel like when you hear Andrew Whitworth isn't going to play, the assumption is like, because I think we've been trained as, as Rams supporters or watchers of Rams games because Jared, he was much more important to Jared Goff is what I'm trying to say. I went back and looked at the stats and Matt Stafford was not sacked in either of the games that Whitworth missed during the regular season, week eight at Houston, week 16 at Minnesota. And interestingly, he was only not sacked three times all season. So in two of those games, Whitworth wasn't available. And the third was week four versus Arizona. So I'm not as worried about that piece of it as I think people who are looking might immediately be. Fair point. I also want to throw out, I may have mentioned this on one of the pods with Andy. Cooper Cup is not going to win MVP, but if the if the award were simply most outstanding player, which it should be, Cooper Cup would be, and, and even if it wasn't, if I had a vote, Cooper Cup would be my MVP for the season. I'm not saying fantasy MVP. I'm saying MVP. He's been the most outstanding player in the NFL this season. Um, I'm going to ask you a DFS question since this is still a sure. fantasy podcast. Um, Aaron Rodgers is $32 in our daily game. He is the person that you chose for your lineup that we do every week. A very popular po- choice was Joe Burrow, who was at $34. Matt Stafford, though, is only $29. Is there a reason you think that Stafford is priced so low, given everything we just talked about? I think it was just a case of I wanted to attack that San Francisco secondary with uh, with Rodgers. But um, we're splitting hairs. They're all, all, all three of the choices you mentioned are all reasonable for different reasons. So I... I'm not going to say you're wrong, especially with the way I talked about how Beckham and Higby have stepped up because we know Cup does his thing every week. Yeah. He didn't have a huge – they didn't really need him against Arizona. Arizona was not competitive. And I picked Arizona in that game, and I looked at the face of Cliff Kingsbury, and I looked at the face of Sean McVay, and I said, what am I doing? I just ripped that ticket up in half. I mean, I I won't make that mistake again. <laughs> and you know, I mean, look, McVay's kind of owned Kingsbury anyway. I know Kingsbury beat him once, I think, in this regular season, but that's been an unfair fight. But um, no, I would have no problem with any of those three quarters. I mean, and then look at what the game we haven't discussed. I mean, Josh Allen and, yeah. and Patrick Mahomes just put up video game numbers. So you're, you're going to have well, a lot those of choices are, as a quarterback. Uh, Josh Allen is the most expensive, let's move to the game, quarterback in our game at $43. Tom Brady, by the way, 35 Joe Burrow, as I mentioned, 34 And then Patrick Mahomes, also $34. Kudos to cool Joe, by the way, the same price as Patrick Mahomes. In the divisional round, Bills are at Chiefs. Chiefs are favored by one and a half. This is a stay away from me. I ain't getting my money on this one. But it does have the highest over under of the weekend at 53 and a half. So certainly the game with the most um, ping pong appeal, if you will. The last time these two teams met was week five. Buffalo beat Kansas City 38 to 20. But Chris Jones didn't play in that game. It was also, by the way, Dawson Knox's career best effort that was the one that he went uh three for 117 and a touch Dawson Knox by the way $20 in our DFS game for this week yeah what a nice breakout season he's had Uh, we like to look back historically and say how did a football team with DK Metcalf and AJ Brown and and Dawson Knox not win football games well in part because Ole Miss didn't have any quarterbacks of note and I realized Knox was a quarterback in in high school so he was still kind of learning the ins and outs of the tight end position at that time but 
what a fun player he is. Another guy um, who we've had on Yahoo fantasy platforms who gets fantasies is a, he's been on your show before, I believe. Yeah, he's great. He's great. Dawson Knox is awesome. And this Buffalo team is fun. I, I was talking with Frank Schwab, who we did the handicapping pod with this year. And of course he's on a million different Yahoo shows and nobody works more than Frank Schwab, by the way. Yeah. That well, guy, give, give let Frank out of the, you know, give, give I don't know if he's allowed vacation time, but you know, maybe after the Super Bowl, give him like two days off or something. But we both agree that this is like a game you play it 10 times. It would be five, five or six, four. They're just, I don't see a logical reason why you, somebody's going to win. Somebody's going to lose. Don't get me wrong. But it may be because a, a ball that's deflected, the defender catches it or doesn't, or you know, a long field goal's made or isn't made, or you know, a, a questionable holding call is flagged or isn't flagged. It's these teams can score, these teams can play defense. I mean, the, the Bulls have a better defense than the Chiefs, but the Chiefs have obviously fixed their defense over the second half of the year. And I know some of the opponents were punching bags, but they also played Joe Burrow. They also played San Diego. Um, San Diego. They also played um, the Chargers, who should be in San Diego. Which, you know, which means, you know, good quarterback play there. You know, Derek Carr is still a capable NFL quarterback. So I don't know how you handicap this game because I think these two teams are going to probably put up around 30 points. I think it's a great DFS game. And it's going to come down to probably the team that makes fewer mistakes. And I don't know how we can look at the rosters, the stats, and make a logical prediction. I'm just going to sit back. I'll have a lot of DFS exposure to this game, of course. But it's a very difficult game to handicap. It's just going to be who hits the higher end of their range that day. And I don't know how you come up with that. I totally agree. I'm very, very much looking forward to watching the game and not betting on it. You mentioned, though, who's going to make the most mistakes. Well, it seems that a player for the Chiefs might have made a mistake. Um, There was a little bit of news that broke just before we recorded. The Chiefs linebacker Willie Gay was arrested on Wednesday night. Uh, Defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo was asked about it, and he is going to defer to Andy Reid. So it will be Reid's decision as to whether or not Gay, who has had a bit of a season, 48 tackles, 26 solo, will play on Sunday. I am pretty sure that means he's going to play if Andy Reid is the one making the choice. Right. Yeah, it's it's hard for me to speculate on this, but it sounds like he'll probably be available. And, and again, that defense has really, you know, Spagnuolo's done a nice job with it. You mentioned Jones didn't play in the first Buffalo game. But, man, it's so hard to play defense in the NFL these days. And the way – at the level that Allen was playing against New England and really in the last four or five weeks, we, we know Buffalo, when they've had their good foot, they've been you know, be, beating teams by 15, 20, 25 points. And you know, the, to me, the fun player in this game, there's plenty of star power. You know, Allen's a star and Mahomes is a, is a star and, and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Stephon Diggs, you know, Matt Harmon's favorite route runner and all that stuff. I love what Buffalo's doing with Isaiah McKenzie. He's become their kind of their their poor man's Debo Samuel, right? With the ghost action and and with using him as an extension of the running game. They're not using some of their older receivers as often anymore. Gabriel Davis has become more of a factor. Devin Singletary, they actually have a running game now. We've even seen Josh Allen been more proactive as a runner late in the season. He's been crushing his over-under rushing prop every week because he keeps rising. I don't know when that air is going to go out of the balloon, but I'm curious to see if Isaiah McKenzie can get five, six, seven opportunities in this game, because I think he could be the, the one X factor who maybe, maybe it's a punt return. Maybe, maybe it's a reverse. Maybe it's, it's just him doing it in the receiving game. He, he crushed new England in the second time they played to the three, I think it went over a hundred yards. There was some personnel missing in that game. He's my favorite X factor. And I guess you want an X factor on the chiefs. I mean, Jerick McKinnon, right? 
I mean, they CEH not available. Daryl Williams, a, a ball security issue early in that game. And they said, okay, Jarek McKinnon, uh, let's party like it's 2015. And he was fantastic. As much as we can say bad things about the Steelers and their offense and Roethlisberger and all that stuff, they still have a pretty good defense. They have the the defensive player of the year on that defense. And and Jarek McKinnon looked like a dynamic football player for about three quarters of that game. So th- those are my two kind of X factors and a couple of guys I'd be looking to maybe bet on props when the weekend rolls around. McKinnon, you're right. Coming off of that commanding 18 touch, 142 yard effort. Also, as we know from his skill set, dynamic through the air, caught all six of his targets for 81 and a touchdown. And it's worth mentioning. I'm glad you did. The Chiefs backfield is still in flux. Daryl Williams, in addition to the fumble you mentioned, is dealing with a toe issue. He did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. We never like Uh, DNPs on consecutive days. CEH, who's been out since week 17 with the shoulder issue, returned to full practice on Wednesday, though we don't know what level of health he'll be at. And you have to imagine that McKinnon is going to carve out a little bit more of a role for himself, particularly in the passing game, given what he did last week. I love that you mentioned Isaiah McKenzie. I actually flexed him in our DFS lineup. He's only $12. And Devin Singletary was on my list of buy low running backs for DFS. He was $21 last week. He's only 24 this week. And when you look at the discrepancy, Derrick Henry, as I mentioned at the top of the show, 38, Aaron Jones, 29, Joe Mixon, 27, Eli Mitchell, 25. And then you've got Devin Singletary sitting there at 24. So I think he is a great play. And I don't mind playing both he and McKenzie at the flex, given their low price tags. I can totally see it. Plus, this is the game that we're all convinced is going to be, you know, a race to 30, a race to 35 or whatever it is. This is the game where we all think the points are going to be. So why not get a couple of pieces of it? I think that's a great call. Why not get a couple of pieces at it? Why not play a couple of DFS games? Why not venture into the sports book? Go ahead and extend all of that good juju from the regular fantasy season into the postseason. There's so much more for us to, there's like quantity wise, not more for us to dig in on, but we get to dig so much deeper. And I I really enjoy this time of year for that reason. Yeah. Plus they're, they're all standalone games. And again, all the pretenders have been ironed out. So um, this is, I I think the last, look, championship Sunday is great. Don't get me wrong, but this is the last Saturday, Sunday, you know, double bill of the playoffs. So, uh, you know, I, I hope I hope you enjoy it for whatever it is, whether you're rooting as a fan, you're rooting as a DFS player, you, you got some props going on, you have a couple of sides, a couple of teasers, whatever it is, you, you just want to root against Dalton Del Don. I mean, I, you know, you, it, the choice is yours, Yahoo listener and, and Yahoo fantasy player. You have a lot of options in today's market and, you know, get your popcorn ready. Get a comfortable seat on the couch. It's going to be a fun weekend. Popcorn ready. Well, that's going to do it for us. We previewed all four games. You can follow me at Liz Loza underscore FF. If you want to keep chatting about them or other things, you can follow Scott, the Hall of Famer at Scott underscore Pianowski. And while you're there, make sure you're, of course, following at Yahoo Fantasy. Scott will be back again on Monday with Matt Harmon to recap all of the weekend's action. And until then, we're out. 